morning. I am so glad to see you all. And as we start, I'm reminded of uh, my dad pastored in Baltimore, Maryland. And he always uh, told the story about when he first got to the church. It's kind of a large church that everyone was seated in the back. And so he asked people to move up, and no one did. So the second Sunday, he went to the back of the church and preached. <laughs> so he said the following week, everybody was in the front. So I'll come to where you are. I am uh, so honored and blessed that uh, I was invited to share this year. Uh, the last two years, the uh, Boone Family Center had me come uh, in their series to talk about uh, partner abuse and family violence, um, which is my area in psychology. I, I work with trauma survivors. Um, and so this year they are doing a focus more generally on mental health, which is wonderful. It's offered at the same time as this. Um, but when they uh, wrote me and invited me to share and told me our theme uh, this year is the Holy Spirit, um, I was so excited. And some people have talked about the Holy Spirit as the forgotten God, and that many times there is a focus on uh, the Creator God and on Jesus Christ, and many people uh, never speak about um, or really have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is so uh, integral uh, to our reality and our healing and restoration uh, so when I received the notice, I immediately, God immediately gave me uh, what to share on this morning. So I have been in, in, in anticipation of this moment for some uh, months now, and I so appreciate my brother, who I think was the second one in the room, and came up and shook my hand and said, I pray God give you a word for me, and I want you to know that God, God sent it a couple months ago <laughs> in anticipation of your arrival. And that's how wonderful God is. Before we know what we need, God already knows. And so from that vantage point of eternity, God shows up in our now with exactly what we need. Um, and so, come by here, my Lord, come by here. Come by here, my Lord, come by here. Come by here, my Lord, come by here. Oh, Lord, come by here, waiting, waiting on you, my Lord, come by here. Waiting on you, my Lord, come by here. Waiting on you, my Lord. Come by here, oh Lord, come by here. We all need you, Lord, come by here. We all need you, Lord, come by here. We all need you, Lord, come by here. Oh Lord, come by here. Deep in this valley, Lord, come by here. Deep in this valley, Lord, come by here. Deep in this valley, Lord, come by here. Oh, Lord, come by here. And the Spirit of the Lord says, I am already here. I am the great I am. 
And so let us meet God in prayer. Almighty God, we worship you, we glorify you, we magnify you. Lord, we lift you up on this morning and we are in awe of your majesty. We are in awe of your love. We are in awe of your might. God, we pray on today that you would make yourself manifest during this time. You said, seek and we will find, knock, and the door will be open. And so, God, here we are this morning seeking and knocking your face, not just your hands. God, we want a divine encounter with you. And so show up and speak. Hide me behind the cross so your people can see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so we are here for healing. We are here for restoration. And I want you to know that it takes courage even to look on the list of choices and to say, I think I need to go to the word on the weary. <laughs> that already is a profession um, and a confession. And when we speak it, then God can meet the need, right? And I went through a, a difficult season uh, about a year or two ago, and I had this thing I kept saying, uh, I'm not going to let it break me. 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 And a really good friend of mine, praying sister, she said to me, Tamer, maybe you're supposed to be broken. Mm. What? Right? I didn't like that. Such a, I'm a psychologist. I'm for wholeness and wellness, <laughs> walking in purpose, living a victorious life. And so when we deal with that scripture in the psalm about a broken spirit and a contrite heart, I never really realized the value of that until I realized the value of that. That the blessing in finally acknowledging when we're in a broken place is we give God permission to be God. Because as long as we're walking around, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. We have our little Messiah complex, right? I got it, I got it, I got it. You all right? Yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it, right? And then when you get to the place of saying, God, I don't got it, <laughs> right? I don't have it. God, I can't figure it out. God, I can't carry it. God, I don't know. God says, I was waiting for you all along. I was waiting for you, right? Now I can carry it. I was waiting for you. Now I can speak. So you've been doing all the talking. I've been waiting for you. And so sometimes we are in this place of saying, where is God in all of this? And the challenge becomes that we are not truly listening. We are just looking for God to show up in the ways we have already imagined. So we have determined what is the answer we want from God. And then we say, why is it taking so long for God to give me my answer? And then God has to shift the tables to remind us God is not the puppet. Sometimes we read the Bible for the formula. If I pray it this way, if I say in Jesus' name, if I fast or if I give to the poor, then I'm supposed to get what I want. Right? We think we know the formula, and God said, you have it twisted. In this relationship, there is one God, <laughs> and there is one child of God. Which role you want to play? <laughs> and then when I get to the place of saying, I want you to be God, right? We say that, but then we don't really mean it. Right? But when I say I want you to be God, it means I have to acknowledge that I am actually not the potter. I'm not shaping this life. Right? I'm not, I am not the architect of this. This is not my design. And I run into trouble because I keep trying to design something and then get God to bless it. Right? We run ahead of God because that's also, I would say, uh, that uh, Western 
teaching of just like create something. You do something, right? You just do. And what I discovered is one of the ways that we sometimes cope with our brokenness is with busyness. And it's a beautiful disguise. People don't recognize your brokenness when you cover it with busyness, right? People look at my resume, my CV, they say, oh my God, you've done so much. When do you sleep? I'm like, good question. When do I sleep? <laughs> and sometimes we can miss the brokenness because it can look like excellence. We can miss the brokenness because especially in the church world, the church loves volunteers, right? We want to start a new ministry. Who wants to be in it? And when we volunteer for everything, when we are in a people-pleasing mode, it can look like God-pleasing because we are doing so much to keep everybody else happy and God is on the side saying, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet to do what I said? Are you ready yet to stop running but being unfulfilled? Are you ready yet? And you're saying, but God, I'm doing the work of the cross. It's like, but did I tell you to do that? One of the things that was liberating for me is I went to a women's retreat a couple years ago, and an evangelist named Rachel Potts said, just because you can do something doesn't mean it's your assignment. Oh, that was liberating. Because, good morning, <laughs> because growing up in the church, I had received the opposite message, which was everything you can do, you should do, which is a very dangerous lesson if you're a gifted person, right? If God has blessed you with gifts, there are always going to be people in need of your gifts, right? And so if you have the mindset of everything I quote unquote can do, I must do, then you will never have Sabbath. And in our reality, Sabbath, I think we read an article on this, is a radical revolutionary act to say I'm enough because God already made me enough and God already said that's good and I have nothing to prove and so I can actually be still. Right? Bible says be still and know, but we're so busy trying to do the works. And so when we get to that place of surrender, of saying, I'm in a weary place, I'm in a dry place, then the heavens can open and the refreshing can come because then we're in a place where we can actually receive. Sometimes we're going so much with the television on, the radio on, and now with the apps, we constantly, the last thing you do, you're on the phone, wake up in the morning, reach for it. Right. And so, and then we say, I just haven't heard from God lately. <laughs> Oh, and God said, if you would be still and be quiet, right? As my grandmother would say, sit somewhere, sit down somewhere, <laughs> sit down somewhere. So you sit down somewhere and be still and quiet. Then you will hear the word God already gave you years ago that you have still not acted on. We always want a new word. God, what's my word for 2018? He said the, the word from 2008. <laughs> Do 2008 and I'll give you a new word. <laughs> And so for those who find themselves in a weary place, we turn to our scripture, Ezekiel. Oh, the valley of dry bones. I have two different versions here. One second. So I am 
so glad for all of us who admit on today that sometimes we get weary. It's one of the things that I have discovered is we often uh, are living in code. Uh, growing up in church, they had something called a testimony period. <coughs> and a testimony, people would get up, say, first give an honor to God who was the head of my life. And then they would tell this amazing story of something God had done for them, right? And the point of testimony is to encourage somebody else who may be going through it, and then they can hear your testimony and know God can bring you through that, right? Well, in more contemporary times, they've gotten rid of the testimony service, and when they do give testimony, people give it in code. So the code sounds like this. I want to thank God because God brought me through a storm. I want to thank God, y'all, I was in a valley. I was in a valley of dry bones. <laughs> and God restored me. We speak in code because we believe the church cannot handle our truth. We speak in code because of shame and fear of judgment. And the Bible says in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And so what happens when the church has gone silent and only speaks in code? Then we lose the liberation part of the gospel to know, is it possible to survive this? Is it possible to recover from this? Is it possible to heal from this? Not the valley, not the storm, not, 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 not the fight, but what is it, right? And so there is something liberating about speaking the thing that has left us in a dry place. Because when I speak it, I shatter the silence and I shatter the shame and I make myself remember that God is bigger even than that. And so our scripture, Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord. We're dealing with the Holy Spirit and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. So I want to say that when we are Holy Spirit led, we will not run from the dry places. When I'm operating out of me, I can only deal with surface because that's what I could handle. Some of us are afraid of evil. And it's because we are imagining us standing against evil. But when I recognize that I have backup, right? That is not me, but it's the holy of holies, right? That the entire heavenly host is showing up. Then I don't have to be intimidated and run from the issues. Some of us at church, even in church, avoid people who have a lot of issues. Have you seen that? Right, you have a member of a church who, you know, is kind of difficult to handle. And I put on my psychology hat and know like none of us were born difficult to handle. Some people have been through some things and it's hard for them to carry that burden and be gracious at the same time, right? And so we see those persons in church and people quickly try to go the other way or act like they're in conversation with someone, just keep talking to me, keep talking to me, <laughs> right? Because you're afraid of the dry bones. But when we are led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will make us confront and encounter the dryness in our sanctuaries that we'll stop running from it and avoiding it. That's why some churches now don't take questions. <laughs> oh yeah, we talked the whole Bible study and then run out. Gotta run my car. <laughs> because 
Lord, help us if somebody asks something that makes us uncomfortable. Right? And don't, don't have a member who's willing to ask why. Right? Then we quickly hide behind. You don't question God because of the Bible. The Bible says, but why? Because we're also uncomfortable with, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. But we, our sanctification is in our certainty instead of our sanctification being in God. And so when I allow myself to be led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will make me confront myself. The Holy Spirit will lead me to the dry places. When I'm training our future psychologists here at Pepperdine, I tell them it's wonderful that you want to heal and help other people, but the first thing is you have to go get you some sessions, right? That's why some therapists have a bad reputation because they went from wounded to trying to jump in and help people and have done no self-reflection. The same thing for ministers, that some of us have gone through some difficulties had an encounter with God and without any self-reflection jump into ministry. And it's a terrible thing to try to minister broken and bleed all over that microphone. Right? Have you ever heard a sermon like that? Right? Where they're preaching, but their stuff is so contaminating the gospel it's hard to hear the word. And so we want to be careful about being ego-led, because ego-led will keep me on high ground and looking for promotion and looking for those who are easy and avoiding my own stuff. But when I'm led by the Spirit, the Spirit will bring back to your memory the very things that are the real issues. That's why you sit at Thanksgiving and you'll pick up on stuff other people don't pick up on. Discernment, right? That's why you can sit in a meeting and see some stuff that other people don't see because it's about being tuned in and tapped into the Spirit. Right? So when I'm tapped into the spirit, the spirit will lead me to the dry bones. And here's the thing. It wasn't one bone. It was a valley full of bones. And the issue with it being a valley full of bones is, can I tell you, dryness is contagious? <laughs> what do I mean by that? When you have a weary person in the family, when you have a depressed person in the family, when you have a traumatized or anxious person in the family, in the church, on your job, it's a ripple effect, right? You ever experienced that? You go into a meeting and one person can come in and shift the whole thing. Have you seen it, right? And so it's a valley full of dry bones, which is why if we do not have the Holy Spirit, it's intimidating, right? If you had one person who was weary, you could handle that, but some of us, on Sundays go into a place in a house that feels heavy, mm -hmm. right? And that's a hard thing to worship in the weariness, right? To worship in the heaviness, to not only see a church full of those who are weary, a family that is dealing with weariness, but can we even talk about the nation, right? I don't care what channel you watch, it's weary. <laughs> Whatever channel you're turning on to confirm what you already believe, what you're seeing will make you weary, right? And so when we get to that place of there's so many dry bones, it would make some people run and hide, which is why some people don't practice a liberation gospel. Some people will say, oh, I'm so into Jesus, I don't have time for the news. Well. <laughs> Jesus wasn't hiding out in the temple. Jesus was out in the world, 
dealing with the dry bones, flesh to flesh, right? And so when I get to the place that I have to actually immerse myself in the reality to see all of the dryness that is happening around me, and if we are honest, the dryness that is happening within us, because we have been affected and made weary by what we see. Mm -hmm. So there were many dry bones, and God asked, Son of man, can these bones live? Do you believe your family can be better? Do you believe the church can be better? Do you believe the United States can be better? Do you believe the world can be better? And we retreat to our safe answer. God, you know. God is up, I don't know. God, you want to fix this family? God, do you want to fix this world? God, do you want to fix the United States of America? And God says, prophesy to these bones. Now, what is prophesy? Prophesy requires two things, hearing God and speaking what God said. And many of us don't do the first step of hearing. We're just speaking because we got a lot of opinions, right? And God says, if you want to figure out how to bring restoration and refreshing, you have to get in my face and actually hear me. Now, I'm dealing with, in this season, New Testament prophecy. Old Testament prophecy, there was a lot of condemnation. And, you're, you know, y'all about to be out of here. <laughs> but when we deal with New Testament prophecy, it's for the edification of the body. And so those who are just uh, speaking doomsday and damnation have missed the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Right? And so what is the prophetic word that God gives to us when we're in a weary place? He says, speak to the bones and say, bones, hear the word. It's a beautiful thing that even in your dry season, you can hear God. I was at a conference, I was presenting at a trauma conference in San Diego, and I was talking about how trauma can sometimes disrupt our faith, right? Because we heard all these things about who God is, and then life happens, and you're trying to figure out how does that make sense, right? I had a survivor who was molested at a church camp, church summer camp. And she said, you know, Dr. Tama, I've been trying to figure out which of these things is not true. I was told God is love. I was told God is everywhere. I was told God is all powerful. So she said, one of those can't be true for me to have been molested at my church. Right? So this is the way people are wrestling with how does what you told me match with what I experienced. Right? And so I was talking about people experiencing doubt and as therapists, we have to be a safe place for people to talk about those doubts because often in people's faith communities, it's not safe to say, right? Even at my church, I don't know if you all sing this song, but at my church, they have this song, I woke up this morning and I don't have no doubt. I didn't have no doubt in my mind. Oh, they sing it, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I didn't have no doubt. And we're sitting there with some doubts. <laughs> and so uh, a woman in the audience asked a question. She's a therapist. And she said, I'm glad you're saying this, because I have a client who is a woman of faith. She was assaulted. And she's having struggles with doubt. And she said, and I didn't know how to help her, because to be honest, Dr. Tama, I'm a therapist, but I have some doubts as well. I usually just avoid that. So I didn't know how to help her. And I said to her, you know, I'm not an expert. I don't know everything. But I believe that doubt is a sign of spiritual maturity. I said, what? I said, because in your baby stage, you believe it because someone told you. Right? 
I read it, someone said it, so it must be true. Never even thought any more about it. I just repeat it because I heard it. And then when life shows up, now for the first time I have to wrestle with it. Now for the first time I have to grapple with it. I have to actually get in the face of God and say, God, what is this? And that's where the growing happens. That's when it becomes authentic faith, not just duplicated, replicated faith. And so then when I get on the other side of the encounter, then I have something I can actually hold on to that has some teeth to it. And when I said that, the woman in the audience said something you all I had never heard, and I thought it was the most beautiful thing. She said, you know, Dr. Tama, maybe that's why Thomas has always been my favorite disciple. <laughs> Nobody's favorite is Thomas, right? He's the, he's the bad example, right? And then she said something that I love to this day. She said, you know, I like him because he wasn't sure, but he kept showing up. Isn't that beautiful? Right? When I don't have all, I don't know, I don't have all of the whys for the things I have encountered that have dried me out. I'm not really sure why all of that had to happen, but I keep showing up. Right? It's like Dr. Highfield, I did the Masters of Divinity here. When I took his class, he was saying, you know, a lot of especially atheists will come with a lot of like whys. Like, why do people suffer? Why do children die? Why is there war? And he was saying, you can get distracted if you keep just trying to say to them, you know, God has a master plan, um, or, you know, God needed another angel, that's why your mother had to die. You know, we say these things, we say these things, and he was saying a lot of people experience that as very heartless. So he has come to a place of just saying, I don't know the why, but because of my faith, I just cannot believe evil has the final say. I don't know why, but because of my faith, I just believe evil does not have the final say, right? And I want to say in terms of the things that have caused us to be weary on today, some of the things that have caused us to be weary are the actions of other people. Some of us are weary, if we are honest, because of some of our own actions and having to live with the consequences of that. Some of us are weary just of dealing with humanity because people are people, right? <laughs> Wherever you go. And some of us run from place to place trying to find a new group of people and we can still experience the weariness. And so whatever the cause of the weariness to believe, the Holy Spirit has something to say. So that the, we the cause of my weariness is a comma, not a period, right? This happened and the Bible would say yet, right? This happened, but, and so what is going to happen after my comma, after my semicolon. What's next, God? And so I get out of the place of being stuck in the whys and shift into what now, right? We're all out here, these dry bones, right? We made it to the Bible lecture series, beautiful ocean out there. We know you, God. We are not unbelievers. We, all of that stuff, and yet we are weary. Here we are, God, and so we need to hear from you. We need a word from you. And we get to that place of saying, I'm dry, and I believe, God, that you have something to say that will refresh me. I believe that, right? So then he says, prophesy to them, and I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. That's what you say to the bones. So we say to ourselves, breath is going to enter my circumstance. Breath is going to enter my life. 
breath, new breath, a fresh wind, a fresh anointing is going to come. And because it's coming, I'll be able to breathe again and live again and laugh again and maybe even love again once I receive the breath of God, right? And so we speak it knowing that it is coming to manifest. So there's a rattling sound that happens, a noise that happens, and the bones begin to come together. Let me say, how do you know that you're in a dry place? You know you're in a dry place when the things you used to enjoy, you don't enjoy anymore. Right? You, I mean, you used to love going over there. Now you go, and it seems like everybody else is having a good time, and you're like, oh, you know. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody taking notes from a sermon, and you're like, what are they writing? <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes the things that used to bring you joy, it's just not there anymore. It can mess up our sleep. We stay up all night or we uh, are not able to wake up. We're constantly sleeping. It can mess with our appetite and we do this emotional eating, which is great for like church receptions. Right? <laughs> so we have all this food and yet we're still empty. One of the things I discovered, and I think it really matches well with church communities. I know that we've talked about it um, with ethnic minorities. Um, is depression that shows up as irritability. So, because culturally, we would say, like, we're not supposed to be sad. We're too blessed. We're too blessed. But people sure are getting on your nerves every day, <laughs> right? So we are irritable. We're on edge. We're, you know, short-tempered. We don't want to be bothered. It's because we're in that dry place, right? If you are a preacher and you keep preaching the same sermon to the point where the members could say it with you, then you're probably in a dry place. <laughs> so recognizing where that I'm dry is that first piece of acknowledgement, right? And then finally going to the source that can actually restore me. There's a song that says, I searched all over, couldn't find nobody, nobody greater than you, God. And so some of us have gone to some other things to try to refresh us, right? So if we're churchy, we'll say like, oh, you know, we didn't run to midnight meetings. I'll say that in code. <laughs> some of us are churchy and we'll say we didn't run to substances. But what we will often run to is gossip disguised as prayerful talk. Mm -hmm. Did you hear about such and such? Da -da 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 -da. That's right outside as I'm walking in. Da -da 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 -da. You got to pray for them. Say that on the end, it's not gossip, right? <laughs> and it's a way of me avoiding my own weariness is focusing on your weariness, right? And that's how the enemy will even work in our minds and we'll be sitting here like, I wish my cousin was here. They really need this. No, 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 you're the one. <laughs> it's for you, it's for you. So we get all distracted out of our weariness and God says, when you stop trying to fulfill it every place else and really get in my face, when you get in my face, out of my hands, not God give me, not God give me, it's God show me. And can I tell you, pray for revelation is a dangerous prayer. I prayed for revelation. I wasn't ready for what God was going to reveal. <laughs> so God, look, don't pray it if you don't mean it because it may show up in ways that you were not anticipating, Right? So in this weary place, he says, prophesy to the bones. Here it is. And the bones start moving, but they don't yet have breath. Now, why is that important? It's important because you need to know the refreshing that's coming for you 
is usually a process. Often we want instant, right? I was working with a client who had experienced a lot of trauma and she was coming to me for counseling and she came one week and she said, Dr. Bryant, uh, my pastor said I, can't, I shouldn't come here anymore. And I never met her pastor. I said, why? So my pastor said I need to stop letting those devil people mess with my mind. He never met me. Right? He didn't know who I am. Right? He, he said, she said, he told her he already prayed for her and she needs to walk in her healing. Wow. And so what we sometimes put on people and put on God is the assumption that the only miracles are instant. Right? That if you don't leave today and find money in your ATM, it didn't happen. Right? If you don't leave today and your spouse doesn't text you immediately and apologize, right? <laughs> like, then it didn't happen. But God says, can you start moving before you see it all? Can you get in alignment with me before everything comes into fruition? You know, the way they talk about it in psychology is if you're at home and you wait for all the lights to turn green before you leave for work, <laughs> right? You'll never leave. But that's how we are. It's like when God sent me a husband, when I get more money, when I get this, when I do that, then God, I'm going to walk in miracles, right? Then, I, then God, I'm going to really live for you. When, you. when you do all of that, and God says, when you start to feel the refreshing, when I start to speak to you, even before you see it all, just get in alignment. Just get, because some of us, to be honest, our weariness has made us out of order. Out of order with our family, out of order at church, out of order in our thinking. And so God says, can you trust enough that I'm working on it for you to start lining up your life with my word? And so the bones start getting in order, even though they have no breath yet. And so God says, your healing is going to require your participation. And we just want, you know, God, just send it. <laughs> just send it. And there's an African proverb that says, when you pray, move your feet. Mm -hmm. Right? When you pray, move your feet. And so as an act of my faith, because, God, I believe that you are meeting me there, then let me get in order. Let me line up my conversation. Let me line up my thought life. Let me line up my habits. See, some of us are holding on to things we're not supposed to have, and we're waiting for the replacement. Mm -hmm. God, when you see something better, when you send something better, God, I'm going to let this go. And God says, line up. Here's the thing is can you tolerate the three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection? Right? We like instant. Right? He died, he rose. He died, he rose. What about the three days? Can we endure when we don't yet see it? Yes? And so the refreshing is coming. He says, speak and let the bones start lining up. And then he says, the bones start to get flesh on them. The part about getting flesh on us is acknowledging our humanity. This goes back to that part of not pretending we have it all together. Because sometimes we have given ourselves, and I'm going to put it on prosperity gospel. Right? With prosperity gospel, you know, if you love God, you're supposed to be wealthy and happy. I want you to know that there's a lot of people who are broke who love God. <laughs> there's a lot of people with a 
no stocks, <laughs> who are serious worshipers, right? And so something is off about that equation, not only financially, but I'm going to even say emotionally. So my mother uh, is a serious prayer warrior, and I remember it just said shock through the church when she talked about dealing with panic attacks. She has a fear of flying. And they said, Reverend C, <laughs> Reverend C has panic, has anxiety. Oh, like, we know she, she knows God. Yeah. Do you know you can love God and God love you? And sometimes you still experience stress? I know we have the t-shirt, too stressed to be blessed, right? We, got, we have the mug, right? But the reality is God says in order for you to be refreshed and restored, you have to get the flesh back on you and acknowledge your humanity. And it will also cause us to have more compassion for each other because we can put the flesh on them instead of setting ourselves up for disappointment because we are expecting something other than people being who they are. Right? Dr. Maya Angelou, who passed away, said, believe people when they show you who they are the first time. <laughs> Some of us are dry because we keep expecting people to be our picture of them instead of we fall in love with people's potential. If only, like, if only I go into this meeting and I tell them the mission for the church this year and everybody gets excited and comes and runs with the vision. Now you know, come on, you know your members. You know as soon as you get up, they're going to say, how are we going to do that, Pastor? We don't have money for that. I don't think that's really going to work. We don't do stuff like that. And now you dry because you forgot their flesh, right? Because if I understand their flesh, I understand they're not in, in our, my cultural background. They're not just haters. Mm -hmm. Some people are fearful, mm -hmm. right? Fearful of change, fearful of something different, <clears throat> fearful of being discarded, right? And the truth is we're, we have some fears as well. And so a part of my healing and refreshing is acknowledging my flesh because when I acknowledge my flesh, then I can re-embrace sabbatical and Sabbath, right? Some of us want God to restore us, but we don't want to be still, mm -hmm. right? I'm running. I got 10 things. God, oh, God, refresh me, Lord. Refresh me. Refresh me. He said, go sit down. Take a nap. Eat some real food. Get out of that drive-thru. Get out of that vending machine, I tell our students. When your whole meal, when your whole appetite, what are you doing? Your body is a temple. So take care of your flesh. Mm. Right? Often we're told the opposite. Flesh is awful, it's evil, it's the devil, you gotta fight it. Don't worry about the flesh, we in the spirit. Well, your spirit is in a body. <laughs> and that's why you're weary, because you have lost sight of your body. And our body needs rest. Our body needs comfort, right? Our body needs nourishment. And we are a person with real feelings. This is one of the things I've discovered often in church is we also force each other to wear masks and pretend things don't hurt us. I didn't really understand it until I was talking to someone who didn't grow up in church. Because you know, growing up in church, you don't realize some things are strange, right? <laughs> so a friend of mine who didn't grow up in church he said to me, you know, Tama, it's really weird. At church, people can say anything they want to you, and you're supposed to just like smile and say, praise the Lord. And I thought about it, right? 
in this trial, especially for me as a pastor's daughter. So you really can't like, that face can't crack, right? They're like, uh, da -da 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 -da. throwing darts, praise God. So it causes us to be weary because we can't even feel our feelings. It causes us to be weary because we think we're supposed to be uh, superheroes who are not moved and the reality is we are being moved and affected and then you not only have the hurt of what happened but the hurt of beating yourself up because you think you weren't supposed to be affected, right? I was talking with a young woman on yesterday and she had a breakup last year and when the person broke up with her and all the friends walked away because they were friends with the person. And she said, but Dr. Tama, I'm so blessed. I don't know why I'm depressed like this. You thought that person was going to marry you. So you lost them and all your friends less than six months ago. So that's what you're grieving, right? But then when we're beating ourselves up because we feel the sadness, we feel the grief, we feel the loss, and yet we're not supposed to. So God says, your, rest your restoration will come when you accept your flesh. That some things hurt, right? Some things hurt. Some things are upsetting, right? Some things are difficult or devastating. And when you get to that, can I tell you, it will liberate other people. As soon as we take the mask off, then other people are like, yeah, me too, right? <laughs> I'm tired too, right? So the flesh comes, and then that connects us to the next one, which is the tendons so the tendons come to remind us to connect with each other instead of isolation, which is why I love that so many of you showed up today, because you may have thought, like, maybe I'm the only one that Bible lecture series tired. <laughs> and it would have been fine. You and I would have sat here together and gone through this whole workshop. <laughs> but when you walk in and discover, oh, I'm not the only one tired, right? I'm not the only one weary. And it takes risk. Relationship takes risk which is why some people right now are choosing instead of church, they choose online. I had a guy tell me that last week. Oh, my new, my, I have three church homes, Joe Olstein, <laughs> he named two people in two other states, and he watches them on TV. I said, you know, it's good to watch church on TV, but do you ever go in person? No, not really, I just, I don't really trust people like that, right? So when I am disconnected and isolated, it keeps me dry, right? And the way this uh, gets language and it can sound churchy is, God is the only friend I need. Doesn't that sound holy? <laughs> so I'm so holy, I'm so holy. I don't mess with people, right? I don't deal with people, just me and the Lord, right? That's my BFF, you know, there's some people who say, Jesus is my boyfriend. I'm like, no, 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 no. Jesus don't wanna be your boyfriend. So <laughs> we get to this place of isolation and disconnection some of us in an obvious way and others of us in an emotional, spiritual way. What does that look like? Some of us can hang around people for years and they know nothing. You know how to do that? You can go to lunch with people and talk for two hours and never say a thing. Right? And so we do that because we are afraid of being seen, but it also keeps us dry because we feel like, one, we can get resentful. So I talk to people in our communities who are carrying the weight of the church or the weight of their family or the weight of the job. And sometimes that becomes our ego boost. We complain about it. You ever heard people? They complain about it, but they kind of like it. That everybody said, girl, if it wasn't for me, this family would fall apart. 
If it wasn't for me, this church would fall apart. Girl, I'm really the thing that's holding this whole church together. Are you? <laughs> Are you now? Is that, is that what God wanted? Is that what God required? I had to stop myself, you all. I was doing a women's Bible study. I was driving from the furthest distance, and not only did I have to teach it, I was bringing all the refreshments, and I was doing and I had to uh, organize the children, bring some toys for them. I'm like, why am I doing five million things? Right? And then they would all show up late. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to get out of your resentment and say, how am I participating in this dysfunction? Right? Because it's easy to complain about other people are draining me, but I am consenting. Right? And some of us say, well, if I don't carry the five million boxes, they won't be carried. Maybe in this season they don't have to be carried. Right? Sometimes it requires a season of us stepping back and no one doing it until some people step forward. I had a woman this past Easter who got liberated about next year she's not doing Easter dinner at her house. Right? Because nobody uh, really uh, is grateful. They come late. They complain. And then she said, that's not how I want to spend my Easter. Right? So free yourself. Free yourself. She said, but then, of course, they were saying, Auntie, where, what are we going to eat? Y'all all grown. <laughs> Figure it out. Or who's going to cook? I've been doing it for decades. Right? So get connected in authentic ways. And I want to say to you, when you're looking for connection, you're looking for people who can actually show up for you. Not everyone has the capacity. Can I tell you, it's not always personal, right? So for example, in the hospital, some people will not visit you in the hospital because they can't deal with hospitals. But it's not personal, right? So some people, if you talk about your dryness, they'll change the subject because they can't handle it. So you need to connect with some people who are truth tellers. And then you look to see, how do you respond when I tell you about my dryness? Right? If your response to my dryness is, let's go get some drinks, you might not be the one. Right? If your response about the dryness is to try to overtalk me about your dryness, right? then okay, that's not the one. And so you ask God to lead me and guide me into some mutual, reciprocal relationships where I can pour and I can receive. Because a, a Chinese proverb says, an empty glass can give no one water. Right? And many of us keep trying to pour out of our emptiness because we have surrounded ourselves with one-sided relationships. And we have created that. So stop saying everybody's pulling on you. Step back and say, how have I created this? And what can I do to shift, S-H-I-F-T, out of it? And so we put the flesh on us. We look for real connection. And the next thing is the skin, which is the covering. The way we are covered is in our prayers and with the word and with our faith. And the issue is so many of us are trying to be a covering for everybody else. It's a terrible thing to be a sole intercessor, a lonely, a lone ranger intercessor. Everybody's calling you for a word or for prayer. You have to get to a place of being able to speak life over yourself and you have to do it before you go into toxic places. Some of us show up into situations uncovered. What I mean by that? Now, I don't just mean by a person. People have that controversial thing of like, do you need a covering a person? I'm talking about covering yourself in the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. so that when I come in here, this thing does not dismantle me. I was working at a toxic job, which I will not name the location. <laughs> not here. And... Um, it was just ridiculous. It was outrageous. 
And one day I was walking in and the assistant director of the clinic said to me, Tama, you always seem so happy and I get the feeling it has nothing to do with this place. <laughs> I said, you're right. You're right. If I was dependent on here for my joy, I'd be miserable, right? So you have to know, like, in my house, I'm getting myself ready. I'm driving, singing unto the Lord. So when I come in, I'm covered. So when the confusion is, you know, those darts are coming, and I have to know it and anticipate it, and so get my mind and my spirit right before, right? And then I have to do things afterwards to restore and replenish so I'm not going on empty. Some, it's a dangerous thing to be in ministry needing the people you minister to to heal you. Mm -hmm. Right? That's not going to work. And so begin to cover yourself with the word. And can I tell you, when you're weary, it doesn't have to be long and complicated. Right? We get caught in our these and thous. Jesus. Right? Jesus. Show up. Jesus speak, Jesus cover me, right? And just begin to pray it, begin to sing it to God, because then let me tell you what will happen. When you shift on the inside, some of the confusion will bypass you, right? Some of the sources who used to drain you, and I tell you when I was little, my brother's two years older than me, he would tease me for sport. Right? It was like entertainment for him. <laughs> you know, mess with my dolls and then like make Tama cry. Like that was his afternoon activity, right? <laughs> so when you continue to, to participate in that, that's going to keep happening daily, right? Till I got to the point of like, I'm not going to be stressed out about you messing with these dolls, <laughs> right? You know, and, then, and it will startle the draining people, right? Because they want to know, like, did you hear what I said? Right? I said, you're ugly. I heard it. The same thing you said yesterday, right? So I get to a place where I'm so covered that the things that used to, that doesn't mean nothing will move me, but there, are, there is a way that sometimes we're getting ourselves worked up about the same thing, right? So like if the devil's going to come for me, he's going to have to come with a new trick because that, like I know this one, right? So some pits you should be able to walk around by now. Right? Sometimes the enemy is tricky, and you're the next thing you know, you're in a pit, and you're like, how did I end up here? But you should have lived long enough that some stuff, you can see that coming. Right? Because I'm not going to let it drain me in that same way. So we have done the flesh, the tendons, the skin, but the reality is still needing the breath of God. God said there is some healing for your soul that only comes when you get with me. And when God begins to minister and speak to us, then it's when we have a divine encounter and the reality of the overflow, hallelujah, of the Most High God. And so I think uh, it is a shame to talk about the Holy Spirit and not encounter the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. And so I did not come for an academic talk on the Holy Spirit. I came for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we are going to enter into a season of prayer, hallelujah, so that God would send our restoration. And so I'm going to ask whatever prayer position works for you, if you would get into that. It can be sitting, standing, laying, kneeling, hands up, hands closed, whatever works for you.
up to you and we say send the rain Lord send the rain open the windows of heaven and pour out your refreshing mm -hmm. open the windows of heaven and pour out your grace open the windows of heaven and fill us up with peace that surpasseth all understanding God you know the dry places in our bodies in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits. Lord, we come standing in need of your healing. Holy Spirit, speak life to your people. Holy Spirit, heal and restore. Line us up with your word and in your way. God, allow the refreshing to come. Send a fresh wind into this place. God, we pray that the angels, hallelujah, would come with your comfort. We pray, Lord God, that those that you have assigned to bless us and not curse us would connect, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray a covering over these, your people, that they will not be dismantled by life, that even in our brokenness we will be reminded that you stand with us that you stand over us that you have come hallelujah to cover us and so Holy Spirit fill this place Holy Spirit make manifest your glory allow us to see you to feel you to know you to hear you, to be lifted up by you. God, I thank you because you have declared we are already overcomers. I thank you that you called us victorious and triumphant. I thank you, God, because your word declares we would have an abundant life. And so all of the areas that are empty, God, we cause them to line up with your word so we can be full to overflowing, that we will not have to live out our dry season permanently. I thank you for seasons, that you help us to endure this season, knowing, God, that the refreshing is coming. Mm -hmm. Lord, we trust you and know that what beyond what our eyes have seen and what our ears have heard, that no one can imagine 
what you will accomplish through us. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Before I ask if there are any questions, I want to say one thing, which is at the end of the verse. And that is that once they had the breath of life in them, they became an army. <laughs> There's a reason why you have been drained and dry. It's because while you were yet in your mother's womb, God had purpose in mind for you. And there are an army of people that are associated with your breakthrough, your healing, your ministry, your restoration. And the enemy cannot stop it. He can only delay it. And so we are a mighty army of formerly drained and sometimes still drained people who sometimes need to rest. But what allows you to persevere through the dryness is knowing there is a purpose for my life. There is a purpose for my life. And the last thing I want to do is lose sight of that, that despite the dryness, there is purpose. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.